You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 297 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val, but more to the point, how are you? Happy uh, birthday. It was a big <laughs> week for you last week. Uh, it was. 107, I believe, which is fantastic. What is your secret? <laughs> you That's right. To... Moisturizer. Moisturizer. Good but um, big thank you to you, listeners. I have to say, I got the biggest surprise <laughs> when I someone knocked at the door for a delivery. As you probably know, we live in different states. But uh, one thing I have been craving forever, and uh, maybe only people in certain countries will know this brand, is Sara Lee Apricot Danish. And I love this, like you don't understand. It's not expensive or anything. It's just a supermarket Danish that you, taste, get, <laughs> yeah, that you get in the frozen food section. And I just love it, but it's been impossible to find. So much to that, so much so that there is I think a change.org petition to bring back the Sara Lee apricot Danish. And so I'm clearly not the only person who is experiencing what is clearly a worldwide shortage of Sara Lee apricot Danish. And this is not sponsored but in any way, shape no. or form in any, you know, so. And just, this is uh, a photography podcast mm, where Photo 297, <laughs> underwater yes. portrait photography with guest Stefan Binke. But uh, first of all, yes. we've got to get to the important stuff. Yeah, the, the important Sarah Lee. <laughs> Yes, because this was the highlight of my week, if not my year. So after searching high and low and literally go every supermarket, I've even written to supermarkets <laughs> because I love this so <laughs> of much. Of course. Multiple times. They don't really pay attention to me. Um, but uh, it, it's impossible to find. But somehow someone knocked on the door with a box that had some balloons attached to it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, someone who had printed happy birthday, Valerie, <laughs> love from Gina, and coloured it in in pink and yellow highlighter. <laughs> and inside the box was not only one Sara Lee apricot Danish, it was a whole industrial size slab. It's a catering size, Val. It's oh. like you just got to know where to look when you want stuff. And I managed to find a, the wholesaler oh. and they're like a family company. And I'm like, can you... Can you make it festive? Because they're like they're on the other side of Sydney to you, like, and and they're like we're not we're like a fam small we're wholesale we don't have I'm like maybe a ribbon or something. And they're like okay, we'll see what we can do. Oh, so great! <laughs> to their credit, the sweetest thing they managed to find balloons and they busted out the highlighters and it's yeah, the just like that is that that alone made my day that they would do that for you and I know you got a huge kick out of it as well, oh. Val. 
absolutely, absolutely loved it. It was such a surprise and such a thoughtful gift. And I just, I'm going to have Sarah Lee Apricot Danish for quite some time yet. Amazing. So, well, happy very, birthday. Very exciting. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but yes, this week's episode is about underwater portrait photography with our guest, Stefan Binke. But uh, first, a couple of constructive critiques. And of course, if you haven't yet joined the podcast community on Facebook, where you can upload some photos for constructive critiques, uh, then please do that. It's free to join. It's great to have everyone in there from all over the world. Um, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. And uh, we have one from Linnell Seawood. And Linnell has uploaded some great pics and you can find them in the show notes. So we'll put them in there so you can have a look if you want to at ginamilitia.com. And uh, he has said... Hello all, I had a photo session on the University of Missouri this past week with my niece. The lighting started out bad but got better toward the end. I used my brother on a few test shots as well. Just looking for some constructive criticism on what I can improve on. Maybe too much blue in some. So his niece is gorgeous and his mm. niece is wearing sort of like a university Seems like a graduation, gra graduation, yeah, graduation gown, yeah. and there must be some kind of mascot, which is a lion, I assume, because yeah. she's next to this bronze sculpture of a giant lion. Probably a really and famous fowl. We're just probably like really wasting ourselves yes. by having no clue here. <laughs> it's how we and roll. Has her hand on the lion, and uh, with you know the university in the background, it's like gardens and a flower bed at the front. So um, there's a couple of shots of her with the with the big line, which is obviously significant. And then there's a great shot of um, Linnell's brother who is, uh, has got attitude and he's wearing some jeans with um, some ripped knees and a T-shirt and is standing on a pathway that is clearly in a landscaped garden. But um, Linnell has used the depth of field so that his brother is the prominent thing in the shot but the rest of the 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 pathway that he's on heads towards the back of the shot so it's it's framed really well um and there's gardens on either side and trees um overhanging and that is sort of nicely out of focus so that um Linnell's brother is the the the, the hero of the shot so yeah Gina what are your constructive critiques for these well, Linnell, thanks for sharing these images. And I think, like, in terms of uh, the way that you've balanced the lighting here, I think uh, top marks there. I think you've managed to balance the fill flash with the available daylight uh, really well. And I think um, also what a great idea using having an assistant and having a stand-in because that takes out all the, the extra panic. What you want to have is an opportunity where you've set up the shot, you've lit it, you know exactly what you're doing and the person that you're photographing should be able to step onto your set, whether that's in a studio or on location and frame one should be usable. And so I see that you're employing those techniques which are fantastic so um let's uh let's uh, do some critiques on these images so the first one where you've got a, a tight shot of your niece um draped over the uh we're assuming it's the university mascot dave um <laughs> 
It's probably not called Dave. The chances are it wouldn't be Dave, the mascot. But anyway, for the sake of this critique, it's going to be Dave, the lion. Um, and uh, your niece, so, so well balanced. Obviously, it's crucial that you get the uh, emblem uh, and the fact that you're showing off that she is in her graduation outfit. And obviously that the, the lion is symbolic and so is the fact that you see the university in the background. So yeah, well-balanced lighting. What I want you to think about to take this image to the next level, and I know that you've shot this uh, a longer focal length, which means that you're compressing the background, bringing it closer, and you're also using a 43-inch Octobox uh, with the AD400, which is going to give you uh, the ability to overpower the sun, so you can balance the light really nicely. So I think you've done that all well. What I want you to think about um, for the next uh, lot of shoots that you do is uh, how you're composing the shot and really making sure that the model is the hero of the frame. So you nearly got that in, in this image, but I think the thing that really distracts me, and it might be an easy fix in um, post-production, is the three trees and the garden that's in the foreground of the image. Because they're, they're also being lit by the off-camera flash, uh, that, that's the first place my eye looks. So I go straight to the trees because they're sharp and in the foreground and then you continue on to the face of the girl and then um, the face of Dave the lion. So um, maybe in post-production, if you could um, drop the uh, focal length a little bit, and I know there's probably nothing you could do because you can't actually pick up a bronze lion and move it somewhere else, but maybe <laughs> there was another vantage point that you could have shot from side on where these trees in the foreground weren't quite as much of a feature. The other thing I want you to think about is what direction is the sunlight coming from? What is the actual direction of the light? Uh, and it's hard to tell. There's not quite enough um, telltale signs for me. But um, you also want to be able to shoot so you're not getting any nose shadows or things like that. And you could also do, uh, when you've got a shiny um, surface like Dave the Lion, the 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 bronze is reflecting what you could do is take a couple of exposures if you shot with a tripod and then you can shoot one with flash one without flash blend the two images together and you can remove any telltale highlights so what you want when you're lining with flash is you want to disguise the fact that you've lit the shot so any little highlights and telltale signs you want to try and, and eliminate those so keep the direction in the same direction of, as the actual sun so it looks more realistic and make sure that your model when you're looking at the shot you want to know who is the hero of this frame so that's why I like to simplify the foreground and the background as much as possible so that's that one um, mm. second image Val yeah. Uh, similar location, and yes, coming around to the around a little bit, and it looks like um, Dave sits on like a very high wall, or is that a swimming pool there? It's hard to tell, isn't it? What's uh, yeah, what's underneath? There, but it looks like it's at a, some sort of height. Uh, and now what you've done is incorporated more of the background by it's the same setup, uh, but you've used a wider lens, so you've shot at twenty eight millimeters instead of a hundred millimeter focal length. And again, you've balanced the lighting really well, and that is a very sexy sky in the background, but. When I'm looking at this image, a um, couple of things. When you're shooting at um, 
with a wider angle lens, you want to be careful of the angles that you choose. So when you're shooting from down low, it sort of starts to distort uh, the image a little bit. So I would have chosen a longer focal length for this image. And uh, also the, again, the fact that the everything in the foreground is so brightly lit and then it goes, it drops off a little bit darker means that I'm looking there's so much to take in in this image. So again, maybe simplifying a little bit and um, just focusing on the hero, which is uh, your lovely niece and, of course, Dave the lion in this image and just trying to simplify everything else. I think, you know, the hardest thing to do is getting that lighting balanced and uh, you've done that really well. And as you pointed out, uh, I think you could probably uh, drop the blue a little bit. I think it may be a little bit saturated um, and just so it looks uh, more realistic. But aside from that, uh, well done. I, and also the uh, shots with your brother as standing. Mm. Um, try lowering. I love the... the I love that you've used the leading lines and the and the, the, the pose is so, so cool. Very, very strong feet placed firmly on the ground. He's got attitude. He's holding that cigar. Very cool. Um, lower the angle. Like drop the height of the camera when you're shooting with a, lower, a longer lens and that's going to make him look even more heroic. I imagine, uh, Linnell, you're a tall guy because I can see that you're standing up and maybe the angle is you're uh, shooting slightly above his eye levels, shooting down, which uh, kind of... Um, softens a portrait but when you shoot up with a long lens you make people look really heroic so um and, and these are tiny tiny tweaks i think you've done an excellent job i really like those uh portraits uh that you've created on the day so well done thanks for sharing yeah well done so make sure you do join the community and have a chat there because um it's a uh, great to see everyone else's work as well. Now, apart from that, um, what else have you been busy doing, Gina? Well, I want to say a big hello to uh, all the new Goldies that have joined. Uh, lots of new members coming in and uh, I've been that's talking to a lot of, of the, the Gold community. Of the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, wanting to use this time to improve or learn off-camera flash to improve the way, what have we been working on? We've been working on composite images, off-camera flash, mastering daylight. The big thing in the community is we've got to learn to peel the potatoes before we make the filet mignon. Everyone wants to get to the sexy stuff, but there's a mm. stepped approach to learning and uh, everyone's getting on with it and doing amazing work, which I love to do. So that's always keeping me very busy, Val. Well, if you want to find out, more about the gold community everyone have a listen to this this podcast is brought to you by the gold community i'm passionate about helping the members of the gold community they're wonderful photographers and i love seeing them progress in leaps and bounds here's what vanessa macgyver had to say i needed education but when i actually went into the gold community had a look on your website everything that's there it's in bite-sized chunk and it's titled so that i can understand because i know what i need to learn i don't need a whole bunch that i already know to be thrown at me first because i know the basics but to understand a little bit more and see some behind the scenes setup shoots which a lot of people don't share and whereas you do learn 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 which is exactly what i needed so it spoke to me at the time and i've been absolutely blown away <laughs> i would have thought that i'd ever be able to use guide 
wide numbers to understand the math. I never understood flash from start to finish. My next uh, trial is to learn how to shoot tethered. Listen, if, if you're looking to increase your skills, because not everyone knows everything, you don't know how much effect you have on people, Gina. You're, you're amazing. And your warmth comes across as well. And that was also encouraging me to, to join. It's a supportive educational community. I could have just said all that three words, couldn't I? <laughs> and uh, I've been really grateful for that. Phenomenal, I wouldn't have done that two years ago. I'm sitting there going, If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, just go to ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so let's get underway with this week's topic, underwater mm. portrait photography. I mean... There's one thing to do underwater photography and there's one thing to do portrait photography, but underwater portrait photography is something that doesn't usually enter my brain. So tell us a bit about it and our guest. Yeah, so this is something that I've been fascinated by for ages and whenever I see great underwater portrait images, I'm always wondering how on earth is that done and it's so next level, it's got this surreal sort of look and I'm thinking, oh, there must be so much work that goes into these shots and it's like take when you take these steps to take your work to the next level, I have to bust out a quote, Val, I apologise in advance. It's never crowded along the extra mile and this is what Stefan does with his thinking behind his beautiful underwater portraits and it's this magical world there's so many moving parts and I've always been fascinated fascinated by these images and um Mm. what I really ask a lot of questions because I'm just like so keen to do this myself and he was so generous with his information and he really walked us through step by step exactly what he does with his uh, wife as partner they work together and he we go into the best locations to shoot underwater portraits and basically Val Mm. I'm coming up we're going to do underwater portraits in your so your next photo shoot your next publicity <laughs> shoot, we're doing it in your pool. What colour is it at the moment? <laughs> I think it's pretty clean at the moment. Oh, good. So he, but but I've you know I've learnt the breathing techniques to control buoyancy, uh, the techniques Stefan uses to pose and he direct his models because you're underwater. So how do you do that? Are you holding up boards going? face left, look right, you've got this, you're up against it constantly because people are holding their breath, they're underwater. How do you do yeah. hair and makeup for underwater portraits? That's Have you ever thought wacky. about that? How do you no. style underwater portraits? What are the best things to wear to get oh. the best shots? And um, he gets all his, all his portraits are non-models. Which right. make because you, you think, oh, they're professional underwater model type models. That's their specialty, but they're synchronized just swimmers, regular people. And uh, he talks about how he prepares his models so that he knows that frame one he could potentially have a winner of a shot because time is of the essence as well. And how he achieves all these amazing poses and the lighting techniques and heaps more. This is such a fascinating. Um, interview i'm really excited to share it with you guys so shall we have a listen absolutely let's have a listen to stefan binke stefan binke welcome to the show how are you going very good thank you i hope yourself as well i'm glad to be here and i'm honored 
Yeah, I'm very excited to chat to you today. Now, before we start, one thing I always ask our podcast guests is where in the world are you? I'm located um, since 2013 on the Sunshine Coast uh, in Badrim. And uh, before that, I was living for 10 years in Cairns. And so, yeah, that's all my, my time in Australia the last 17 years. Fantastic. Both beautiful parts of the world. What, what, were you in Cairns proper or were you outside of Cairns? Directly living in Cairns, close to the city centre. And I think there was a, a reason for that because your prior life, prior to being a photographer, you were a scuba instructor. Is that right? That's correct. That was my um, part of my life for a very long time. And when I entered Australia in 2002, I had a ticket as a diving instructor and I was brand new and I loved diving. And um, so I was just turned 30 years old. Uh, yeah, I turned just 30. And I wanted um, to use my working holiday visa to um, find a way to um, dive and work a little bit on the side. Mm. So that's where um, I came to Australia and, and landed in Cairns and stayed there for almost 10 years. And it's, uh, the Barrier Reef is such a, a magical and amazing place. I know it's uh, changing uh, at the moment, but uh, for, for those people who have not had the experience of uh, seeing an underwater landscape, can you describe the first time you went there and what you saw? Uh, the variety of fish and corals is almost one of the most densest places on earth. You have uh, throughout the world when you dive different regions, I dived around 25 different countries, in, including top spots. They all have their uh, speciality, little stuff, bigger stuff. And the Great Bear Reef combines it all. So you have in your seasons from whales to um, coral spawning, almost every exciting event coming through in the seasons so in the seasons throughout the years and that's fascinating no? so this is beautiful to 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 experience especially the first time so when you do that a lot you discover different things because you have so many different species combined in that region it's fascinating it, and it's just it like magical, it's a magical wonderland under there is, is all I can say. Uh, I've been lucky enough to uh, see the reef uh, m dozens of times and it, 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 it is uh, absolutely spectacular, breathtaking. And then um, what fascinated me was how that uh, the underwater landscape is basically the uh, inverse of the uh, landscape above the ground. So you have valleys and you have mountains and underwater yes. as well, which is just Caves. Uh, and caves, it's all there. So at what point from being a, uh, a scuba instructor, you were teaching, you, you've taught uh, hundreds if not thousands how to scuba. Uh, at what point did you start photographing what you were seeing under there? Very late. So I really um, enjoyed the dive and spotted many things around. But throughout the years uh, I've been diving, um, I discovered very late the 
the beauty in a way to capture it. So for me, when I work as as an instructor, it was the safety of my people I had uh, the responsibility with um, was my most and biggest concern. So that was uh, very important for me that when they learn it with me, that I focus more on them than I focus on that turtle at the moment because they learned this uh, beautiful sport, you know, and why on the Great Barrier Reef and the conditions are not always like you have it on a postcard. No, so there can be different conditions. And, and, and working with the students was one part. But many years later, I discovered the photography because simply I was more exposed to underwater portrait, for, underwater portrait, <laughs> you have it there, okay. underwater photographers yeah. um, when I was teaching. So I changed to a different company which did um, expeditions where there was shark feeding involved and deeper diving and extremely uh, wall diving up to 1,000 meter deep walls. And in there, um, I discovered that the underwater photography can be a big part in life and it's a very nice addition to the dive itself. So and that's where I uh, started looking into it. So did you learn uh, underwater photography from some of your um, students who were coming along? So obviously you're going out there with a lot of professional photographers who are wanting uh, assistance to get to these locations so that they can photograph them. So how how did you learn to shoot underwater and uh, what what are some of the things that you uh, needed to learn in order to to do that? Before I got into the underwater photography, I met an underwater photographer who became a, a very good friend and still is. It is the um, renowned Pete Atkinson, who is a former BBC Wildlife Photographer of the Year award winner. So and he introduced me to that and explained to me pretty much what I would need in order to get into it in a real professional way, as he was a professional photographer. And his speciality was um, wildlife and uh, underwater nature in general. So when he introduced this uh, very different niche of photography to me, and and what and he never showed me really anything. So I, I bought the whole equipment. So she just went out and bought everything. Was it? I mean, it's not cheap, is it? No. So fifteen thousand dollars later, wow. I had everything, everything I needed because I I was intrigued yeah. by him and yeah. the way he did it. He was top notch quality, and uh, with a knowledge which is, he built his first underwater housing himself while traveling through the Pacific on a sailing boat, and created underwater photography, and and it. Had led me to the conclusion that this guy could really help me to understand the beauty and the technique behind. So, and he just gave me some advice and the rest I pretty much learned by myself, doing dives, having a camera with me and learn about the distance, the camera itself, the feeling of it 
the buoyancy control, which is required to actually stay a little bit invisible and get closer to uh, a turtle or a fish in general. And, and that took me so six months of real hard practice now almost every day to to get to understand how it really works. No? So that was sort of the beginning. It was around 2008 in terms of time. So you spent six months where you would go out every day and uh, practice shooting underwater. So what in that with that early advice, uh, what was the photographer's name that that uh, that mentored you? Pete Atkinson. It's Pete the Atkinson. cousin of Rowan. Oh, really? And it's in real life the cousin of Rowan Atkinson. That's so, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> a, a very famous family. So a very great guy. He's a nice person, and uh, so I learned. What's a lot that? from him. And, and yeah. his early advice, what, what was some, some of the basic advice that he gave you when you were starting out about shooting underwater? He said to me, um, when I showed him some results from my trips I did, and I came back and said, Pete, what I've got, what do you think? And then he said, that's a great picture. But you have to imagine, he said to me, that there are many other photographers who shoot exactly the same fish as well. What is it you need to find is how you can make that fish looking different to others. And um, so that was a, a little click, um, what triggered that statement so in me and, and realizing that whatever you shoot underwater, there is, all, there is always a way of making it look different. So that was the first introduction of of difference and um so then i thought a little bit about it and and, and experienced as well then shooting marine life with different ways of lightning no? and and then look how what's actually possible and what others did and there are great underwater photographers out there where we can learn from no? and they're very good in marine life and they have huge success no, throughout the years because they are at the right time at the right spot and setting it all up the right way and um, that is crucial and key no, for every photographer in general so imagine being under there 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 are so many moving parts first of all you've got a um you, you, you're swimming, so you constantly, even if you're trying to stay in one place and stay um, still, you still need to be able to like paddle your feet to, to keep yourself in the in the in the in the right place. So physically, uh, there, there's exertion, uh, and then obviously you're you, you're breathing underwater with the, uh, the 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 tanks there, and then you've got the gear which is in a housing, so you can't access all the dials in the same way that you would. Um, um, if you are above the water, um, what other factors? Are, oh, and imagine if it's. Uh, do you go out when it's the the sea's choppy? When there's um, does that add atmosphere to the shot? What what what's that all like? You have um, in marine life photography um, the option of wide angle and macro. Yep. To choose from, and so if there would be a weather. Which, which is not really beneficial, you know, it's like storm, rain, then um, you probably have a low visibility and yep. um, but you might be able to capture some smaller creatures which you um, 
you know, using a macro lens, use different lightning, and you, where the visibility is not so much a factor as you need wide angle. So a beautiful postcard day, you have very rarely on the Great Barrier Reef. There's always something. There's a little bit of wind, or there's a little bit high. There's a little bit of current. There's a little, but. The best time of the year is usually September, October, November, where you have very low wind, crystal clear water and visibility, coal spawning as well, usually happening then. So it's a very good time of the year. Well, when there are the minke whales in June, July, as an example, you have rough seas, stronger winds, lower visibility. Okay, so so if you go out in those conditions, you might you might ca ca catch a glimpse of uh, something like the the, the minke whale because they're only around in the in the, the choppier seas. Yes. Is that right? The, and the coral sea. Yes. Yeah. Right. 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 So so a, a postcard day is absolutely still no wind, uh, and it's uh, is that early morning right. that you go out when it's the the low tide or is there a particular time of day that's it, best oh it's, it's depending on on what the concept is now so if you the, the deeper you go the less light you have right. in general when it comes to water your colors are absorbed within the first 10 meters yeah so um all what is left is then blue and uh green so you you have to use additional light but you don't have to go deep for beautiful underwater photography now. So I prefer it so within the first 10 meters to shoot because there's most of the light. Um, early morning has some has some great effects. You can get a snail window with just a certain, it's, it's kind of ring. And the sun plays a big role of it. So it's it's if people will Google it, they will see it. And uh, it's hard to explain. But you've got different effects of different types of the day. Right? Yeah. So I experienced with it because working on a boat for two weeks on out of sea where you have a real expedition going with customers, clients from all over the world who really come to experience a full-on dive trip, a real liveaboard experience where you go to the places you usually don't go. And there I really experienced and had a chance to monitor and watch and see what different types of the day can do to um, the light underwater. So it's different every yeah. time. It's underwater photography is different every time. And it is very challenging yeah. in a way as well because you have um, a different medium around you with a different laws of physics working on on a person in general which you can compensate yeah. you know, um, with equipment but you need to handle the equipment you need to handle yourself and you need to be able to handle um, the right moments which are very short underwater no fish is not waiting for you they come and go they're darting <laughs> around very very fast so pretty much it's it's very similar to say shooting a landscape uh, above the water where where a traditional landscape where you know the lighting conditions are going to vary depending if it's overcast or if it's a bright uh, sunny day or where the sun is in relation to uh, the, the you know the landscape that you're photographing so you have all those conditions and then you've got to uh, factor in visibility so um, if, if I'm clear on, on, on what you said uh, 
you can go up to 10 meters you're still going to retain the colors that you're trying to photograph when you go uh, any deeper than that you there's a loss of color is that correct yes so the so water the, it's, 10 meters yep it's darker Okay, so if someone's uh, just wanting to start out with this and they may even have like a, one of those uh, cheap housings for their phone and uh, they want to do some underwater photography, then your recommendation is just stick to the shallows and uh, so you can retain yeah. those beautiful uh, crisp colours. In general, I would recommend to go in a swimming pool first. Yes. So to make, make sure that everything is sealed Yep. It um, works well and um, find out a, 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 a good control um, how to handle it underwater. Because depending on how everything is set up, some equipment is very heavy yep. and drags you quickly down while others float. So right. um, it, it is a possibility of adjusting. It's really depending on the equipment. You know? and, um, so, but I would practice first. And then it even... At just a snorkel, a snorkeling at the beginning is a yes. very good entry. Yes. Get a feeling, get close, make a dive down, see what has actually happened around. Because suddenly there are, there's work involved you know, to holding a position or get to this position in the first place. You know? And this is the limited amount of air we can inhale and gives us limited time to operate down there. So all this comes into place. And suddenly you have to get that picture right. So you sometimes need maybe a few attempts to get there and get yeah. the feeling. So that's really important to practice this a little bit and make sure um, the buttons and the feeling yeah, exactly. is well known so, so that you get results. That's yeah. a good tip. So start out in a, in, a, in a swimming pool rather than out in the open seas and start out maybe not not going out and getting your uh, dive certificate, but maybe just start with uh, snorkeling and, and you can still get um, a lot of great photos of, uh, you know, fish and things like that if you're lucky enough to live in, in that sort of a location. All right, so I really want to do a deep dive in the techniques that you uh, use to take take your beautiful underwater uh, portrait photos that you've been doing. So how, how did you uh, make the leap from photographing the wildlife uh, to deciding to start doing underwater portraits? It, the first trigger was Pete again, who said, when it's not just about the fish, he, he said something about the general industry as well to me. Um, as I said, so what do I need to do to make a living like you do from it. And he said, you have to do something different, yeah. something no one really does. Like similar to the fish answer, uh, shoot the fish different and <laughs> stands yeah. out. But do, and, and that's also then that shortly after I met my partner, Ariel. So who has a degree in fashion design and uh, or ever since she she knew Photoshop quite well, yeah. and um, that was one of my weaknesses. I, I had never time to develop within this to edit the photos, um, right? Months I started, yeah, yeah, yeah. Editing, yes, it was very Lightroom. I was um, that was my my favorite editing tool at the time, so I, I knew it uh, quite well and worked with it. But Photoshop was something. I, 
I simply did not did not have this war. So but he knew it, and um, we mad, we fell in love, and we um, sit there and just looked at each other and said, "Oh, now we love each other, but what's next?" <laughs> no, and, and 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 discovering so our strength, which is a crucial part um, of what we do now in 2020, uh, I was the one who knew everything about water. So my control of the element was very well developed. I, I'm a, I'm, I did 3,500 dives and certified a lot of people and I knew exactly how it works, water. I had a camera, which I thought marine life that is gonna be my future because fish and I'm good at it and I got the shots and there's the big whale and I thought, now, when you start mm. out, you have all these dreams, but um, was it something what was different? Not really. And Ariel suggested, and I started it out to discover that as well, um, at that time, underwater portrait photography. Right. So photographing people underwater. So, and um, that was around 2009. 2010, when we really started looking into that niche of photography. And and where did you do your first experimental shots? Was that out in the open sea, or did you start doing that in in a swimming pool? In a swimming pool. Mm-hmm. So and uh, it was shallow swimming pool. It was um, a friend of mine. Of course, you you know you. you you need to find someone who's willing to do that because yes. if you explain if you ask someone would you come in the swimming pool with me i want to make some photos <laughs> it's something they i haven't really heard of and yeah. um i'm so we did that and we tried um to do a few conceptual pictures and um it worked out quite well so we got some pictures and i still have them and um my friend has this still has a Facebook profile. I, really? I remember that. So, yeah, that is, you know, it just moved into my apartment. It had a swimming pool and it was just a really brand new complex and tried out, put a chair in and it had a little mirror, used some lipsticks and just made some happy pictures. So, so what, you did a sitting down, pretending yeah. she was putting lipstick on underwater. Was that the concept of the shot? Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. So, so, but from behind, so you right, only I saw see. the lips. Okay. Me? Oh, that's great. So you're seeing, you're photographing her from behind. You can't see her face, yes. but you'll see the reflection of her lips in the mirror. Yes. Right. So that was simple. I thought. I thought. That sounds really cool. Yes. How did you? How did you keep her on the bottom of the pool? And how do you keep the chair on the bottom of the pool? Is it a metal chair that that sank? The metal chair. Yes. Yes. That right. was a metal chair, and we still use it sometimes. We still have it, so it's it's we still have the chair. Now, and it's it was used throughout the years here and there. A beautiful little chair. The the pool that you were in, your friend's pool, it's just a normal domestic swimming pool, just someone's pool in their no. backyard. Is that right? In an apart apartment complex. Oh, so an apartment complex pool, yeah. A lab pool, yeah. We went in there, so it, it was late evening. Late afternoon, early evening, no, when no one was there, and yeah, and, yeah, and we just tried. How, how deep was it? So, like, oh, you could stand in it. 
So, so you could stand in it and it wouldn't go over your head, or would you? Oh yeah, depending on we be both not the tallest. Yeah. So for us, it would it would go up to forehead. Okay, so about six, maybe six foot deep. Yeah, think, yeah, one eighty, yeah. two meters. Yeah. Max. Okay. So, and and what was there tiles on the site? Was it like blue tiles or green tiles? Because often swimming pools are aligned with uh, coloured tiles. Did it have? Did it have that, or was it? No, nothing, nothing like this. A very plain, um, kind of small gravel. It's very oh, it's so like, like a grey wall. The, the, a grey, a grey colour. So it's like yeah. a almost yeah. like a traditional coloured. Uh, but but you've got those yes. little. Pe- was it pebbles or was it uh, like? Yeah. A, yeah. Right, and so, what time of day did you shoot this? Oh, late afternoon, late afternoon, early evening. So the sun was already a little, little bit lower. And now, so, and really... so basically, you're just having. How do you stay uh, low enough to be able to get the shot? Are you have you got weights on you to stay down? No, I, I hardly use ever any weights. I control my comp, my whole level in the pool. I control only with my lungs. So. Right. So breathing out or breathing in is going to control, regulate how high or low you are in the uh, in the pool. God, there's a lot of moving parts here, Stefan. It's a lot. It sounds very difficult. So you're holding your breath. You're also underwater. You, have you, you do you're not are you using um, scuba gear for this, or are you just holding your breath? No. For none of my underwater portrait shoots, I have ever used as scuba equipment. Okay. I only it. use. A snorkel, yep. a mask, yep. and my camera equipment. Okay. All right. So and so you, there is a technique that you can use that will control uh, whether you stay uh, high or stay low in the pool to position yourself. But I imagine, how long can you hold your breath underwater? So holding a breath underwater, I managed once to go over a minute. Wow. Yeah, so. What about the average person? Yeah, that depends now on the training of mm. themselves and and I would say also a f- certain fitness level. Yeah. But to do that um, and to hold my breath for one minute and uh, I used fins as well so and I had yep. weight around so that yep. I sank to the bottom of the pool and was not fighting yep. the water. Because when I have, when I want to achieve a record in holding my breath, I need to have my lungs filled with air which automatically makes me positive point so if i would not have so that's why i needed weight to do that right but in the swimming pool i have a snorkel which allows me to take the amount of air in uh which is required yeah to to stay a little bit sink a little bit or go up a little bit i can control it with my snorkel a lot better right. so and it's really minimal adjustments uh, so what I use to um, as a technique f- with my lungs. Okay, so th- this is sounding um, that it's it's totally doable for even uh, you know an, an average uh, portrait photographer to maybe have a go at doing a simple portrait in a swimming pool using a snorkel and uh, uh, some of these uh, techniques that you're describing, or even just. Uh, diving down and um, taking a quick shot. But the, what's crucial here, I think, is that, that 
tiny, tiny window you have to get the shot right. So you, you might have, um, because you've got to consider your model as well. So what I'm interested in is um, how you uh, pose and direct underwater and how you... Um, how you navigate the entire shoot to get that to get, to get these incredible images that you're getting so does a lot of is it a lot in the preparation that happens before you go underwater how does that all look i would say yes to that question so a lot of preparation and thinking is involved and it's particular for someone like as you said that i agree with you on that point that everybody and uh, every portrait photographer who has a swimming pool and has a mask and a snorkel and the right equipment could do this. It's right. not that, and that is, I think, sometimes a perspective where people see it, the whole underwater portrait photography operation that you need scuba equipment yes. and you need heavy extra. It's not the case. If for, for swimming pool portrait photography, um, you can operate in water you can stand in, yeah, and yep. it's very, and the, all you need is the equipment for the camera, and the rest is possible. It's just that before you start as a photographer, you need to understand water itself, how it works, how your camera reacts to the different laws of physics, how you react to the different laws of physics so that you can maneuver underwater in every possible direction you want to go without thinking about it because you have to focus on the other person. So you need to be one with water, equipment, movement, buoyancy control. But only then you have all freedom to monitor the actually person in front of the camera because it's not something they do every day and the guidance is crucial and it starts yep. with your first phone call. The first time you are in touch with, with anybody who wants to do this and our clients who come and travel from sometimes further distance, I'm talking with them about it and prepare them for what's coming so that yep. they are also mentally ready now to experience this very unique experience like it's fascinating so they decide they'll see one of your images uh one of your gorgeous underwater images and they'll get get in touch with you and they'll say i want to do that but like i imagine that uh many people would have even though they love the uh the results uh when it comes to the reality of you know holding your breath underwater and looking um serene and beautiful there's and with all those moving parts how, how do you how do you capture that image so what are you saying to them uh above the pool before you go in so so firstly you're monitoring um or building expectation when you when you make that first call so it's uh, w when you're speaking to them uh, are yes. you coaching them in a way that you're giving them the confidence that they're going to achieve this like i'm going to capture beautiful yes. images of, of you uh, all these people that you see in the folio in, in my folio have never done underwater photography before is, is that the sort of stuff exactly. that you're saying yes there and is almost no one who, who has ever done this before and i'm i'm referring this always to the um, 
inquire yeah. inquiry or the person who, who wants to do it. The, every picture the um, the people see on Instagram or on our Facebook page or on our website, these are people like you and me. They've yeah. never done anything like it before. And some of them can't even swim and expecting triplets. It happened. I had that. In, you know, so imagine this. So uh, it, it, there is a way you can prepare this. Sorry, I, I love this. I love this technique because I think this applies to all photography. You know, that first conversation that you have with a client, you want to give them that confidence and put that idea in their mind's eye that like, they are going to be uh, beautiful in these images and you give them the confidence that like everyone that I've photographed, um, you know, is also a beginner like you and I'm going to tell you everything that you need to know to create these beautiful images. So don't worry, I'm going to, I'm there for you. I'm going to coach you through this. And, and, and I think that's, I think that's so important in all kinds of uh, photo shoots, uh, not 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 just the underwater ones. So I think that's a great start, Stefan. To, so you've got uh, the, the, their confidence; they 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 have um, confidence in you to create the shot. So what happens uh, above the water before you go into the pool? How how do you choreograph? Because it's like a dance underwater. I think that you've got a role that you're doing and your model also has a role. How do you workshop that with them and how much time do you spend working through what they're going to be doing? Before we are on the pool, we have around two, three conversations on the phone where we find out in general what we're going to do. Now, what topic it is. Is it a boudoir shoot or is it a maternity shoot or is just a couple? Find out what tone we want to set, what we want to use. And um, when we know that, we I give them usually a little bit of homework yep. to find out for themselves when they're looking through. Um, we have a few examples on, on our Instagram. There is all variety there, what they really like. Not yep. about the tone or the dress, but when it comes to the particular way of, of posing it now there is it all different and, and when they found their favorites i asked them to study them in a way where they have a real look for that detail so where's the hand placed where do they holding on to each other what's the little toe doing where the leg bend which leg is bent what the hands are doing because the more they see that detail yeah and then possibly imagine themselves underwater there is a way we all know how it feels like when you go underwater it's yeah. quiet there's suddenly nothing and all your senses are different stimulated we can imagine this and i asked them to do this in in every last phone call before the photo shoot so when it comes close to to doing the shoot that they imagine themselves being underwater how they would move how would they feel? What leg would they bend? Where would they hold on? If there is a pregnancy involved, I would explain to them to find the connection with the little one. Right. Think about the, the how they see themselves um, looking at it com with the sample pictures they have in front of them and then just reverse it and see themselves. It's, it's pretty much the only way of practicing an underwater portrait shoot without getting wet. 
because right. you you just at at the water on the day. So when then they come, I'm uh, as as you said, what time I spend in it. So the phone conversations, they it it adds up sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know, and 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 then on the day when they arrive, while the makeup is happening, I be in front of them and 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 show and sample and even show them the leg and let them feel and practice the technique we're using to be able to take control over the element water itself yeah through sinking so the the um buoyancy control technique that is something i'm focused then on the day i mentioned it before that they have to ex expect a very short time frame they actually spend underwater because it's not the deepest or the longest or the fastest this time. It is about the best looking one. And that's a very huge paradigm shift for everybody because we are relying on our natural instincts. And these needs to be this instincts needs to be reversed on the day because if you're taking deep breaths for an underwater portrait shoot, it will be very difficult to sink in right. general. Right. So they need to take in less less air into their lungs, which then uh, some people some people may freak out by that because they'll feel like they're going to uh, drown. They don't have enough air. So so what are you saying to them to to make them feel okay that you're not going <laughs> to let them die underwater? Um, I said to them that I watched every Baywatch episode and I can happily uh, rescue them. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> No, that um, it, it will never come to this. Yes. So I'm I'm recommend to the, to the ladies usually that they are nervous and to be nervous. Come nervous. It's great to be nervous. So so you're not you're not minimizing you're not minimizing the fact no. that they are nervous. You're accepting that that's okay. No. Which is again. I want them to be nervous. Yes. Yes. The I want them to be as... nervous. Very important. Same as a, any portrait shoot, because you want to, want them to know, um, you know, when someone says, "I feel this way," then yeah, that's okay. I get nervous too, or you know, everybody's nervous at this point, and then th I think that even makes them feel better at that point too, doesn't it? The statistic, our, our statistic, proves that the ones who are really nervous getting the best pictures, and that is wow. what I always say. Wow! It's so, wow! Because. It's very true, and I can tell you why. Because the ones who are nervous and coming to an underwater portrait shoot, they are alert, and they follow these instructions, these tiny little detailed instructions of not taking any air in, actually, and reverse it with, with a constant exhaling through over a time period, so that you have almost very little 20% of air maybe left in your lungs. I don't know which number, 10%. And then only go down for five seconds. So that is the technique we use. So, and the nervous ones, they follow that instructions. While the ones who are comfortable or believe they are comfortable, they have, they need a little bit long, longer to reverse that instinct and, and, and actually realizing it's different to what they know. It's uh, always the same. They've never done anything like it before. And and when you're comfortable, you think you know, and, and 
you you don't listen that intensively as someone who is nervous and alert and excited. So that is what I learned over the years, uh, photographing. I always say the nervous ones, they're getting the best pictures. <laughs> the nose swimmers, fantastic. That's interesting. Yes, that's, it's uh, true. that's true. I, I found the same. All right. So you're teaching them how to regulate their breath and that controls their buoyancy. And uh, you, you're recommending that they're taking smaller breaths to, to get them to um, stay lower well, in the water and then they can control their buoyancy by how, how much breath they're taking. Am I correct there? Actually, actually, the, we don't stop them in normal breathing or anything. We just, right. we, we set them, so the moments before a submersion, um, we have a little bit of practice in the pool, yes. so where we um, make them going slowly, step by step, to establish for, for them, for the probably first time, a countdown. We count down from around five to three seconds, and in that time, they have to really forcefully and slowly exhale 80% out of their lungs. Not life-threatening or anything. Yeah. It's comfortable because they're ready to go, and they are in an yes. environment where they can stand. So they may be chill chin level right. you know, in yeah. the water. So or on a tiptoe, so on. And, and all they need to do is just let it out. Yeah. And that will reverse the positive buoyancy which comes from the filled lungs yes. so the lungs getting empty yeah and that allows them to sink effortless and right. that's the moment but and then they have a few seconds five seconds or at least average some more or less and they get better over time they're doing it and then they're free and then you, they you... don't feel any force right on them and then i shoot and they dream it away all right, so I just want to go back to uh, these the steps. So you get them into hair and makeup. What, what, and then, and then you practice these how many times? So is it a special uh, makeup that you're using for underwater photography? And is there a special technique to uh, hairstyling for underwater photography? Because, you know, I see the images and the hair, like people, you know, some of the portraits that people have long and flowing hair, it all looks beautiful. What What's involved in that? Um, makeup, yep. in general, is done by our makeup artists and they just usually use a foundation and the lipstick involved. We, it, it's hardly even that we, you know, add any more to it so um hair is uncontrollable is it a special makeup that they it's use? waterproof waterproof yeah. makeup yeah right. yeah it, yes and so the lipsticks but it's you know after two hours in the pool um you you would see now uh, that um the, the whatever's in the pool and sold and chemicals will take a toll on makeup no, right. which has to really work hard on it. Hair is uncontrollable, yes. so as the other 50%, no, I say. So you have, you can control 50% of the photo shoot. I yep. always, or we always say, say that, no, and that's, hair is one of the things we can't control. But you can manipulate it in a way if it's longer hair, no? and hair is different. No, everybody has different hair. Some boys coming with strong hair product, and that it creates a huge cloud uh, underwater. Ah, so yeah, it would, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would, <laughs> so had that too. No? Yeah, so you've got to factor that one, into one it of, as well. 
And yeah, some hair is thicker, some hair is curly, some hair is really light and short. And there is always uh, a difference when it comes to hair. But you can manipulate it. You have sometimes, you, you just bring it over the shoulder when there's longer hair, so it's not in the face. And, then you, and uh, it, it always uh, helps. So, you know, longer hair, when it reacts and swings in the right way, you you get lucky very often. Okay, so... It adds just something to it. It's still a very small window. Like, we're talking mm. three to five seconds that everything is perfect in the shot. And I can see there are a lot of moving parts. So, a lot of the... I'm looking at some of the maternity uh, underwater photos that you take. And we've got the the beautiful billowing... Uh, fabric that you want to be spreading out and then the hair needs to be in the right place but then also the legs need to be in the right place the arms and the hands need to be in the right place and then you need to have a face that is serene yes that's a lot there's a lot going on so how who is are there um assistants under the water that are giving the the fabric a flick or getting the hair off the face or are you is the is the no. um, model doing it all? It's just me and my partner Ariel at the pool. Yeah. The dress we can replace usually with um, we have a very long stick which yep. we use to um, keep it moving. Um, but also the ladies, no, keep the dress keep constantly flick. moving. Yes. It is. Yeah, it's a, a chiffon. Maybe using yeah, yeah, and it flows material. beautifully. It, yeah, it looks amazing. Beauty, so, amazing. is that is that your partner yes, Ariel that's moving the dress around? She's that's what's happening with the stick just to get it into place. Yeah, yeah. It, that's depending on how we want it. No? sometimes we want it totally open, or sometimes we just want to place it a little bit around it. So, we use the stick for it as well. Sometimes I'm helping. No? so it's it's a very different studio setup than most of the people can imagine because i don't have i don't have a a backdrop which goes down automatically now i have to have to you do this all manually so and depending on what tone i want to set so lighter um, background or darker the the flick of the fabric uh and then the uh position of the hands and the legs is all rehearsed above the water first a few times yes, so that yes you, and so it almost becomes and you're not it's not a photo shoot i imagine where you're going to try and get 20 looks under there it's one one photo that you're going for and it's just a matter of repeating it till you get the right face is that right and the right shape no no are you trying to get right. are you trying to get you, lots of different photos under there at least yes we want to have at least in our presentation between 30 and 50 different portraits we can right. present, right. which is possible because you got five seconds usually in a submersion. And when everything goes right and uh, the clients understand that the, the left foot has to be bent, the hand is loose and they get a hand of it, it's, every second is changing. The hair is changing, the position is changing, they're falling, they're moving, they turn to a side. You got in very short time period the chance and possibility of three different poses within one submersion one if sec- everything right. goes according to plan. So we're not after one, we're after right. many 
different, a great variety. So to make it also difficult for them, right? <laughs> in a way that they have a lot to choose from, right? yeah, and liking course. them. Yeah. So yeah. it's not one. So we, it's always different. And sometimes you have to adjust a little bit and, and see if, if it's possible to do for them. You know, they all have a different level of difficulty most of the pauses. Now, some are more easy, some are more difficult. So we're trying to find also the right way for the ability of the people who are coming in the pool with us. All right, so you, you, go, you both submerge at the same time. There's a, a little moment of settling, yeah. everything's ready, and then it's all action, and it'll be the flick, the dress, get the hands into the position, and then it might be looking down, another shot where they're looking away, and then maybe one where it's looking to camera. Yes. And is this something that you'll say above the water first? So they're what you're going to do. You're going to get into position, flick the dress. I want you to put your hands on your belly, look down, then I want you to look at me, then I want you to look away. Would that be how, how it would look, something like that? Yes, so we, we analyze it. So we, we do a few submersions. We have usually a, a pose we start with to settle them in and a very simple one where they just have to bend their knees and snuggle in a little bit or, or in general, just the ladies by themselves, just simple. Yeah. No, and, and shoot this and then after a few attempts, we um, then just put the camera on the side of the swimming pool and we have a Wi-Fi card yes. inside. Which yes. are, when it's outside the water, it works. So I can transfer um, the pictures yes. over to a little laptop where we then can see what we need to adjust. If it's the light, if it's the distance, is it the, the hand positioning? And then you can show them. Yes, And they recall that from their moment they had. And these moments underwater are very intensive because it's not just only the legs, it's often actually the facial expressions which have to be corrected. And you have to monitor as well that they not cheat now because the natural instinct is stronger than any photo shoot. So you have to imagine sometimes they're just taking even a little breath in and that changes everything. They will pop back up to the surface. They have yeah. a, a point, a different buoyancy control and, and, and they're fighting the water. So it, then you have to start again. So there's a lot of things can happen. Right? And you often need three, four attempts to to get it right once. So they, it's, it's challenging because there's so many little puzzle pieces you oh. have to put together in that few seconds, but this is the beauty of it now, because when it works, it's just amazing. It is, it and, is, it's so just, amazing. Um, it's really the beginning is important. It's the key of it all. The most important part is that you get a sense of buoyancy control together with the client. The client needs to understand that exhaling is the only way to, to get any results. Only yep. if you sink freely without fighting the water, you will get results and you're able to do what you want to do and practice already um, in your mind before you came on the day, which, which lag. And the ones who really do that, they have fantastic results. They are from the first second, they are there and they know. And I had that case as a triplet. I will never forget. We had a lady coming from Sydney and expecting triplets free boys and came a little bit earlier now so because, and um and she, we she did her homework 
together with her husband, they both practiced it. And the moment they stepped in the pool and they did the first submersion and we did the countdown and we, they sing, they were just unbelievable. Yeah. And, and this is where you realize it really works. Right? You need to be behind and, and you need to monitor the people. Right? If you need to see if they do it a little inhaler, someone has to spot this. Yeah. You know, someone needs to explain to them, and this is what I explained, it's crucial as well, that smiling underwater is the weirdest and most awkward feeling you can imagine. This is what's going through your head first. I tried it, and everybody who's trying it for the first time um, says, yes, that's true. No, we have never smiled underwater. <laughs> when we go under, it's always the longest, fastest, and deepest, but not about our face. No, but if people don't like their face, they don't like any picture of themselves. No. And in underwater, the face is key for for everybody. So it has to be in place. And do you have really small windows? So you need to have relaxed face, and you can only have that. If there's no air trapped in the system, want to come out through every possible entry area, no? like the mouth or the nose. Uh, so, so are you waiting uh, a few beats for the, all the bubbles to come out? Because there will be a few that are obviously trapped there and then they no. compose or? No, they ha everything happened before. So right. in that five seconds of uh, countdown, they have to blow it all out. Right. As much as possible. Yep. So comfortable wise. No? And then they sink. So because if they would go on and continue exhaling, you have just bubbles in front of the yep. face and yep. you don't see a face. And that won't be picked in a presentation at the end. So everything out before. Then there's another beauty of the people then leaning, leaning backwards. You've got a few bubbles trapped in the nose and they will come out and give another beautiful effect to the whole portrait, and leaning backwards, the little bubbles coming out, it's, it's nice. So you, you do have so many. That yeah. adds a little bit of life to the shot because it makes sense. You're underwater, there should be, it, sh it should not have any bubbles. A couple is good, but you just don't want them in front of the face because that, that obscures the face. Yeah, that's true, that's true. But sometimes we play with it too and creating yeah. a big splash behind. Um, when we have a close-up shoot, no? so right. it's another way of, of of adding a little bit of effect to the yes. whole photo shoot because you can only do it in a swimming pool. Yeah. No? So. So that adds depth and, and nice. interest to the background, right? So you're constantly mixing it up, and, and yeah. You're having a light behind, have some bubbles, which reflecting the light in a different way. So it, it has so many options. You've got reflections, and you got the person itself, yeah. you know, as, as, as portrait photographer know, every detail of a finger or the hand plays a vital role you know, when, when, when you do portraits. Yeah. And especially underwater, it's, it's, it's a constant reminder as well that water is never straight. Yes. Water is always moving and you want to break that line with the body of that person you have in front of you. And it, starts with a head tilt, which we is one of the puzzle pieces. We always say, oh, put that in the back of your head in a folder. Head tilt is a friend signal. You know, just bring it down a little and shoulders relaxed, arms relaxed. 
what is exposed, where is the elbow compared to the shoulder, what are the upper leg doing, they have to be together, there are so many different puzzle pieces you need to add together, and it can be overwhelming for many, no? so you have to go really slow and yeah. keep it really basic in in the explanation to them so that they're able to follow consume it transfer it and translate it into an environment where they can't talk can't see can't speak only feel and water is very strong on our facial senses now you've got the nose the ears everything yeah. is combined there and, and that is something and then there's always the case and the first time that people really going under they forget everything you've told them <laughs> it's right. true no, so it's normal so, but you work with it and you see and build and it's very crucial to right. monitor how they react so that you can adjust and build on couple more questions um i just want to ask so in that five seconds that you're shooting you're not direct are you directing at that point are there any little hand signals that you've uh pre-discussed that if i if you see this it means tilt your head or are you doing any of that or is it just like you agree above the water you go under and then here's the three images that the the, per, the, po, the person's going to pose in these three ways and you'll shoot um it's, it's i have to laugh because um over the years um as i'm underwater and i can't direct or guide now but ariel outside has a chance to be a little bit louder and more vocal yeah so the sound will travel through water but you you hear the sound and and the waves will go through the eardrums of the client but bounces back on the skull so you hear the sound and you could maybe identify what ariel is screaming and i know what she's screaming and you the client often um, can hear it. So, and sometimes we just really guide them through with that one word, like hand, legs, up a little bit. So yeah. it's head, head. So it, these, these um, are the only uh, ways of guiding them while they're underwater. No, they can hear, could but you have, hardly see. So that. Sorry, could you hmm? have underwater speakers where maybe Ariel could be uh, speaking to them, like so that they could hear clearly? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, but. It, she is busy running around mm. and sometimes fixing the dress at the same time and yes. focus on it. So it, it, she did there here. No, it's not far and um, water is, um, you know, tr right. So she's not in the pool through. with you. She's above the water no, with the stick. No, she's right. outside. Right, yes. okay, she's I get it. Okay, outside. wow. She's, yeah. busy. she's busy too. So it's a, like, it just sounds like it's yes. such a frantic uh, 10 or 15 seconds where it's all happening. All right. The other thing I'm intrigued by is the lighting. Uh, so, what yeah. what sort of lighting are you using? Is it continuous? Is it flash? How does that work? We have an outdoor pool, so we have in many cases um, sunlight around us. So, ex except today, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's raining. <laughs> but Sunshine Coast, Sunshine Coast usually has sunny days, and um, this is one light source we can use but also here is depending on seasons and seasons are having changing outdoor lights so the sun is very either further away or closer and 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 sets different challenges and additional to the sun we using um normal strobe lights which are quite flexible so um i can 
position one of them in almost every corner of the pool because they have a longer cable attached to the camera housing. I can take off um, the strobe and then can put it as an example behind um, the client or person and, and, and create a different effect. So that's the two or three lights I usually use. I have tried to add another light to it, which is triggered by um, a sensor, and um, but it's it's not easy to keep this one in place. So I, I experimented a little bit with it. It gives a good effect, as yeah. I had some, no, but it not always worked. So it's a water and studio. It's it's tricky. Now, so you're positioning in the right way, and um, so I want to keep it simple. As you move around in the pool, so everything is moving and, and, and can be displaced quite easily when it's just loose around in the pools. So it's possible, but usually three lights, sun, and two strobes. So three lights, the sun is fill. Uh, the housing, the, so you've just got regular studio strobes that you're using, and they're in a housing. There's housings for those no, as well. Really, just made for underwater. They're underwater so strobes, they are right? Yes, yes. Heavy equipment, right? Nah? And uh, so they work well, but they have, um, depending on the power, a certain reload time. So when when you shoot underwater, the um, the further you away from the subject, um, the more light you need to use because um, the water will absorb that light very quickly and the distance to your subject is very important as well and the power of the strobes so if you have it at if i'm going as an example i'm maybe two meters away from the subject and um i want to reach the subject i i have it on a at least three quarter power uh, if depending on, on 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 the concept but at least and this will take maybe me a second to reload in some right. cases, no, and and uh, uh, this is another great way of getting a different portrait out because you can create silhouettes if you have zero light. So there are many different ways where you can use this to your advantage. So, and when I do uh, take two shots very fast um, in a row, then I have one light up and one is different. Yeah, and um, have only sunlight in that case fascinating right. so you'll be shooting quickly anyway you're not waiting for the yes. recycle you'll yes. keep shooting and then no. you'll because you you want to make sure that you maximize the amount of frames you shoot in that small window that you have yes Fantastic. but i have to consider the re- recharge time of my strobes yes uh, which um i'm depending on so it's, it has, it's fascinating. Now I can remove one, put one behind um, of the strobes, and then I have less front light and um, a different, maybe a lot of light in the back. So it's brilliant yeah. to work with. Now, and it is a lot possible. But it, this is my, my setup. Now, if you go to a different pool, as I say, an indoor pool, it's very different. Now, so it, it's never the same, yeah. really. It's a lot to consider. So even even the quality of the water plays a huge role. Right. Uh, and the uh, yeah, if, if the pool is is murky or is not clear, yeah, it's 
very difficult because you've got a million particles in a swimming pool, which you maybe don't see. But if you really go with a mask underwater, you see yeah. particles a lot, sometimes more than less. But if the less particles you see, there are often a lot of chemicals involved, which also affect the comfort level of the person you're working with because they have their eyes often open which <laughs> you all know swimming pools have that you will feel it after yeah. a while. Yeah. Right? So a lot of little details to consider in that case. Yeah, but light, um, very important. And if you master this and you know the possibilities, what you can do underwater and, and add a little bit of extra equipment, such as just a longer cable, you're really on to something different because you can play around different positions and that's all you need underwater it doesn't have to be really complicated it's yeah. better simple than complicated it's because of the time you have underwater well Stefan, you've inspired me i want i'm like just looking for my local pool now to go jump in and try and have a have a go at this myself it it just looks fascinating and also um you know congratulations to you your work is uh, absolutely stunning and it's you know obviously you put so much work and heart and uh passion into everything you do so um if people are interested in uh having a look at your work where can people find you on our website, mm-hmm. uh, stefanbinke.com, and our, our business name is Binke Photographic Art. So we have a Facebook page. We have a, a private Facebook group as well where we are um, helping um, and educating. So um, we open to share our knowledge now a lot more than we um, used to because we were really busy studying in the topic more yeah. than we actually shared so yeah. and um, we're doing it now for over 10 years and um so it's it's now it's now we we came to the realization that we actually ready to um more be more open in sharing it so we have yeah. also instagram account and where a lot of our pictures are there and um yeah that's pretty much and you've got some um, you've, you've got some social, some yeah. workshops you can buy um some work underwater portrait photography which is fantastic so i will put all these links uh, in the show notes so people can uh, easily find you yes stefan thank you so much so uh, we have we have one course yeah sorry sorry you, you have you... one course um available on our website at the moment we finished one and um, we have um, another one in the pipe so the first one we brought out is um about the buoyancy control mm-hmm. so that people actually learning before they take the camera how to guide that person into that experience so with this course you're pretty much ready to turn everybody into an underwater artist where you don't have to go deep but you will get someone with the right facial expressions or the hands in place because we also involved in basic posing guide so that it helps to get really started. Now you have a total knowledge, um, uh, chance to, to learn everything about uh, the buoyancy control so that you have the knowledge to guide that person through. And that's the course. And we have another one coming where we focus on the equipment and on the photo shoot itself, where we're using um, uh, the camera equipment and 
and speak about light and distance and every other aspect I think needs to be shared so that everybody who wants to start with underwater portrait photography has, has something they can work with. Because it's very rare to find out there um, uh, more information about it than we thought. We might get started with it. We know how it works and uh, we can help others to get into it. Fantastic. All right. So uh, as I said, all of that is in the show notes and they can head to your website and find out more about these uh, amazing workshops. Thank you. So I could have spoken to you for another hour. I was getting really into that, but uh, well, we'll definitely get you back on as a guest uh, uh, down the track. I'd love to hear about what you've been doing. But uh, Stefan, thank you so much for today and I, I wish you continued success. I'm honoured. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure so I can share share. Um, in a different way um, what we've learned and, and a little bit about our journey so uh, yeah I'm looking forward coming back to the show and even go a little bit deeper into details so it helps obviously your audience to get into this and looking into it is a very nice niche fascinating and different thank you thank you wow that is so fascinating underwater portraits. I mean, you have to look at Stefan's stuff. Um, it's just so beautiful. Isn't it? Um, go to Stefan Binke, so that's S-T-E-F-F-E-N-B-I-N-K-E uh, and uh, .com, so stefanbinke.com, or check out his Instagram at Binke Photographic Art. And you can find his stuff there. But uh, Yeah, and if you want to learn wow. to an in-depth, wow. he, uh, he's also got so, uh, some workshops on how to master online courses on how to master uh, underwater portrait photography. So if you think this is something that you might want to do, like you and I, Val, I'm coming up, <laughs> we're doing the – so have you got something like flowy like that? You know, red's your colour. So, uh-huh. you know, something flowy. You mean flowy, a flowy dress. Yeah, flowy dress, chiffon-y. God, I know yeah, how probably. much you love underwater because every time we've yeah. ever been to an, an <laughs> island, you've always gotten up at five and met me at the beach. Come to the beach tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be there. Never. Like, I think I saw you once step on the sand and you just look like a cat. You look so unhappy to be there. <laughs> It's the it's only way I can dirty. describe it. It's dirty. That's the look you had on the your face. Like if I took my cat to the beach and his feet touched the sand, that would be yeah. your look. But, uh, yeah, let's uh, not detract from the amazing work of Stefan Binkage. Check it out. Check out his website. Inspiring yeah. stuff. And he was so thank you again, Stefan, for being so generous with your information. And uh, apologies again for some of the audio. There was a um, an electrical storm happening happening while we were recording so we did risk our lives it doesn't happen on the internet does it you can't get electrocuted anymore like you could in the old days um, but um yeah there was a, a couple of dropouts so I'm, I'm sorry about that but hopefully all the content was uh more than made up for that yes all right fantastic so this brings us to the end of this week's episode what are you doing in the coming week well, I'm about to head off on a walk and uh, just keeping up with all the work that I'm doing, plenty to keep me entertained, um, you yes. know, shooting and editing and writing, all sorts of stuff and eating. Of course, you'll be yes, finishing eating. off the uh, Sarah Lee. Apricot Danish, yes. Yeah, 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 layer yes. up on layer up on layer. 
and then she that's rolls right. it and she rolls it and she rolls it again. That's how good the <laughs> advertising is. Oh, my God. I can still remember the slogan. That's like okay. we all need that little catchphrase for our photography. Layer up on layer up on layer. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> well, you enjoy. You enjoy, Sarah Lee. I will. I will. Um, where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then come over to the Gold community and uh, join um, all the photographers from all over the world who are taking their lighting, their posing, their directing, mm. their um, editing, Everything. all to the next level. And I'm having a blast uh, teaching everyone over there. So that's if you want to find out more about the Gold community, head over to genomalicia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? Uh, you can find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.